Hi, welcome to Your Business, Your Rules. I'm Kat LeBlanc. This is the podcast for people who want to start and grow an online location independent business so they can live a life of freedom and choice on their own terms. Welcome to episode 24 of Your Business, Your Rules. And I'm here today with Maria Doyle who is an online learning materials developer to talk about location independence and what that really looks like. So Maria was on the road for 15 years and now has been location independent for six years. So she's got a wealth of information about that and can share a lot about what that really looks like. So Maria, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Kat. You're welcome. I'd love it if you could share a little bit more about what you do. Yeah, for sure. So I started off in the world of education and training. So I was I was a classroom teacher for many years, um, teaching ESL. So I traveled around the world, um, working in a whole bunch of different countries, teaching English and teacher training. And then I moved into curriculum development roles. So um, I worked in universities and vocational education centers and then ended up working as a uh, as a consultant for in an aid and development sort of um, environment. So helping you know, create better teachers and better curriculum out in the Pacific and across Asia. Um, so that's my background. And now what I do is I help people take their knowledge out of their head and create learning products out of it so so that they can create a recurring income stream and so they can sort of leverage their time a little bit better in their businesses. So I work with everyone from bookkeepers to skydivers to government departments, and I have a lot of fun. I learn a lot of really interesting information that goes in one ear and out the other. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds very exciting, especially the the range of clients that you work with. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so great to hear what you do. I'd love to hear more about, yeah, your history with travel. So a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, you know, they're potentially living in a place that they don't want to be living in. You know, they're doing the Drury commute every day. And it sounds like you've had a history of making that work for you you know you've lived all over the world you said um in the south pacific in asia um maybe we can start with the the career stuff like what was the motivation for you and and how did you manage to bring all of that travel into your life well i i really didn't know what i wanted to do when i left high school i just really wanted to keep traveling i'd won a scholarship in year 11 to go and do three months of high school in italy and Mm -hmm. i came back from that to the school environment and a boarding school environment, which made it even worse. And I just, I knew that I just wanted to keep traveling and learning languages and, and seeing more of the world. So I sort of, I guess, got, um, what do you call it? Travel fever. What's it called? Mm. Anyway, whatever that is, I got it. I got the bug, the travel bug. Um, and so I went to university. I got really high scores. I could have done anything really apart from vet and med and all the really sort of top tier. Um, sort of bachelors and I, I didn't know what to do. So I just, I focused on languages because I was good at them. And then I thought, well, if I can travel and teach English for a couple of years, like it's in a sort of gap year environment, then maybe I'll work out what I want to do. Maybe I'll work out what my purpose is. And I just kept getting amazing jobs. I just kept moving from country to country. I, I've had 14 overseas postings before starting my own business. Um, so <laughs> it just, it just sort of, happened it was never really planned I honestly thought English teaching and traveling was just going to be a gap year solution or maybe a few years um, while I worked out what I really wanted to do 
with my life. But that just, I, I was a re- always have been a really energetic teacher. And then um, my, the people in my job were like, oh, no, you have to be a teacher trainer. Like you have to show other people how to get that amount of energy and enthusiasm into their classrooms because most of the classrooms are so dry and so dull. So I fell into teacher training positions and then fell into sort of management positions because I'm a real systems person. So I can logistically, I can run a school or I can sort out curriculum, I can sort out student lists or whatever. That's just a superpower and everyone can recognize that. So it was not really planned. I just kept following the things I was good at and just kept taking opportunities as they came. And yeah, my career happened. Was that the question? I've forgotten what question I was answering. <laughs> question it's all good interesting yeah I mean yeah. in my personal situation so I went overseas after university thinking that I would also know what I wanted to be when I grew up and came back I was like oh I didn't get the answer to that although I did live in Brazil for six months and learned to speak Portuguese and I remember when I came back one of my uncles said to me like oh good you know you're back now now you can get into the real world and get a real job and I was sitting there oh. thinking no. How many times did I get that? Oh my God. And what are you running away from? And why can't you stay in one place? And and my answer to that was always, I'm just running towards life. I'm running towards opportunity. I'm not running away from anything. And settling down for me, like what having getting married and having babies and, and living in the suburbs, there's, there's nothing wrong with that life. And I certainly don't judge people who have it, but it was just never for me. I was so adamant that travel and learning languages and visiting new countries and cultures was just higher on my priority list than finding a four by two in the suburbs. I mean, funnily enough, I actually now own a three by two in the suburbs. But anyway, (laughs) that was just never a priority for me. Like actually going down that path was never a priority. So yeah, life just happened and I just kept chasing the dream. And I think there was a period there for about five years where I just chased summer. I didn't have winter for about five years. I just kept chasing summer. It was awesome. That sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd love to know, like, at what point did you realise, okay, like, I'm loving this, I'm experiencing different cultures, I'm doing new things, I'm, like you said, I'm running towards life. At what point did Mm. you realise, like, okay, this still isn't on my own terms? Because for my, my situation is, I was in, yeah, I didn't go to anywhere near as many places as you, but I moved to Germany. I was like in the beginning, it was super exciting. I could, you know, go to Belgium at the weekend and go to Amsterdam and do this. And everything was really exciting, like being on holiday all the time. Yeah. And I loved it. But I personally, I started to get this like sinking feeling like, oh, this isn't it. No, this isn't it. And I was always looking for like, okay, well, maybe if I moved and did a similar job in, you know, in Holland, I was looking at, maybe that will be more fun. I was like, "Mm, no, that's not really cutting it. And I had this period of a good five years where I knew the adventure wasn't over, but I just didn't know what the next steps were. And for me, it was taking away the, like my, my work had become location dependent because it depended on where I was sent or what role I took. And even though I was overseas, it wasn't cutting it for me and I needed more control. And I'm I'm curious to know how that went for you, given that you moved so much. Yeah, look, you could have just been reading my mind that what you just described is exactly what happened with me. You know, it was this sort of, okay, I'm a bit bored of Japan now. Uh, I have to come home and be someone's bridesmaid. So I may as well pack up here and find a new job. Oh, look at that new job. I'll be happy in, in somewhere else. Get to the new place, go 
oh, it's just the same job in a different environment. And now that I've worked out where all the good restaurants are and I've worked out what I can do on the weekends and I've exhausted all of the weekend trips that I can do, where's the next job? You know, and it just sort of was this ongoing, um, I guess, quest to for adventure, you know, and being any length of time in one job just got really boring um, because and not, I guess not boring is not the right word, but you just felt stagnant. You know, you were, you were surrounded by people who came and came to work and whinged about the same things every day and just like, oh God, get me out of here. So yeah, it was a new place provided new challenges, new culture, new language to learn, new house to set up, new, new group of friends to create, new weekend trips to take, you know, and the, but the, the shine sort of came off it after, it always did after, you know, a year or 18 months or two years, depending on who I was working with. So. I got to the point where I was working out in the Pacific on uh, an aid and development project. I was on, you know, a consultant salary, tax-free, which is, you know, ridiculous and, you know, that's 7,000 times more than you earn as an English teacher. So I'd sort of hit the upper echelon of my career of where I could go in this industry um, in education and training. You know, I was project manager. I was in charge of, you know, however many people in a in a vocational college. We had a you know, $17 billion budget or whatever it was over a 25-year period. So, you know, I couldn't have found a more rewarding job, a, a more challenging job in another country. But for me, I just got to the point where I was like, I am so sick of packing up and shutting down, you know, like packing up and selling off everything I bought and then, you know, turning up in a new place. I, I just got really tired of that sort of suitcase sort of lifestyle and I, I came back and I, I, I bought a house and I tried the suburban thing for a while you know found myself a boyfriend lived like everyone else did and that didn't really excite me either so off to Kiribati I went and you know on this big consultant job and, and that was you know the upper echelon of my career sort of moment but then I got really sick I ended up with multiple organ failure and nearly dying and that was the point where I just went what am I doing? Like, is this life? Is this all that life is? Like just one job after the other, offshore, onshore, offshore, onshore, never really having a stable community anywhere um, that's ongoing that I know that I'm not going to get bored with or, or shut down. Um, and th that was, yeah, I, I went through a real um, sort of, yeah, it was a really difficult time because what I'd known for the last 15 years this career that had given me so much that I loved so much I was just I was over it I was over the never really having um any stability but then when I had stability I didn't like that either <laughs> so it was a real soul time like what do you want like are you ever going to be happy you know so yeah it was quite a I guess uh difficult period to go through to work out what was going to make me happy um and I think I've, I think I've sort of nailed it now I think I've got the best of both worlds I've got a base in Bali and I've got a base in Perth um I live between them I've got businesses in both places so um that provides its fair share of challenges believe you me um <laughs> but I've got yeah. really communities in both places as well so I get that community aspect you know I'm part of a community choir in Ubud in Perth I've got you know, old, old, old friends, new friends, business people, business networks. So I've sort of, I've got the best of both worlds in two places and I get to live wherever I want to live whenever I want to. So for me, that, that having that location independence, it's not true location independence as in I just have a backpack and I travel wherever I want to. It's sort of, it's more about being able to travel and live and work in two 
spaces with two communities and then like I'm about to do tomorrow, go off on a 10-week round-the-world trip because I can, because I can work on the road um, and I can do what I do from anywhere in the world. So I guess it is location independence in the truest sense of the word. Yeah, I think it is because you're getting to make the decisions of what what works for you, right? And I have to mm. say for me, I really considered the two-base option because it's kind of hard to give everything up for one place almost. Mm. And, yeah, it was like a real consideration for me also getting away from winter and those kinds of things. So you're doing it on your terms, right, which is what it's about. You get to choose. If you choose to have a place in Bali and have a place in Perth and that's what works for you, then great. And if you choose to drop it and go on a big trip, then you can also do that. And Mm. what I find works for me is being here in Australia, being from the UK, it's like super exotic for me, not quite as exotic as Bali. And um, yeah, getting to go on trips when I want to. Mm. Cool. So you've made the transition and you're now in, have a lot more control over what you're doing, you know, what responsibilities you take and where yeah. you are, which is really awesome. I'd love to hear a little bit more kind of on what that really looks like because I think when people know that you are running your own business, they can be making assumptions like, oh, you know, she doesn't need to work or, you know, she's just on holiday all the time or, you know, I'd love to have that lifestyle. Honestly, it's, it's not for everyone, certainly if you're on the road all the time, I would say. Like, What is your day-to-day reality like being in two places and what are you expecting for your big trip? Um, So, yeah, it is a good point and I get a lot of this like, oh, you're so lucky and, oh, you're always doing these amazing things. And and I said, well, A, I don't believe in luck. You create your own um, destiny, you create your own journey, you create your own life and, and it has not been easy setting up two businesses and having them both operating from two countries, one of which where I have lived and worked there over the last 20 years on and off. And I do speak the language. I've got a bachelor's degree in the language, which doesn't mean that I can speak it very well, but you know, I can still communicate, but far out, man, like a whole nother um, country, the systems and the regulations and the laws and what you do and don't have to do this polar opposite from the Australian system. And you just consistently not aware of what you don't know until you do something wrong and then you're alerted to the fact that, no, you can't do that in this country. It's like, ah. So on a running businesses sense, it is a consistent, let's just say, challenge. Um, I was going to use an expletive there, but, um, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> there are days where you just think, oh, I, just, I, can't, I can't handle any more that's going to break my head today, you know, like I just – if I hear, if I find out one more regulation that now has changed again and now we're not compliant again because they decided to change the rule for foreigners or because they tried, decided to change the rule for everyone or whatever, I'm going to lose my mind. So, you know, that certainly is not a walk in the park. Um, people, oh, you're so lucky to be able to work in Bali. It's like, do you understand the amount of headspace that goes to actually being able to legally work up here? It's very difficult. Then throw into that, you know, keeping two households running. I'm really fortunate in that I've got an amazing housemate here in Perth who pretty much looks after my house for me and it's always, there's no problems with her. Although that in the past, oh my goodness, like having tenants who were nightmares. Oh my God, don't even get me started on that. But the stress of being somewhere else and someone having someone in your house that you do not trust to lock the doors or to, you know, keep appliances from turning, from um, going up. going on 
blowing up. Yeah, like honestly, God, like horror stories, absolute horror stories. And you sort of think they're going, it would just be better for me to sell my house. Would it just be better for me to get rid of this amount of stress, you know? Um, so, yeah, managing tenants in both places. Like I'm away from Bali for 10 weeks and so I've got people staying in my house. But then again, it's managing them. You know, it's not Airbnb, but it's people who are going to make use of the space while I'm not there. So then having to manage them and have assistants go over and drop off keys and all that sort of stuff. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into it and to keeping it all running and to keeping everybody happy. So, yeah, the day-to-day reality is is working on one business, keeping your eye on the other. It's living in one house, keeping your eye on the other. It's dealing with business inquiries from Bali, from Perth, from Sydney, from Auckland. It's organising client appointments in that are across you know, 450 different time zones. You know, this trip, this 10-week trip, I've got clients that I'm continuing to work with because they need some support and they're well aware of the fact that I'm on a 10-week trip and can't guarantee the quality of the Wi-Fi anywhere I am. You know, that's just a reality of living and working on the road is that you don't know if you're going to have consistent Wi-Fi at 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning or you don't know whether there's going to be a screaming kid next to you in the co-working space or the cafe. You, You can't maintain a level of professionalism that you can maintain when you've got an office, a permanent office where you can control the environment. So yeah, that this 10 week period, my clients are, are, are luckily they're, they're flexible. They know I told them that they needed to use up their, um, you know, their coaching bundles before I left. Otherwise they'd be sort of at the whim of the Wi-Fi wherever I was, but they're, they're well, they're willing to work with that and to work some some pretty crazy hours with all the time differences because, you know, Canada's 14 hours or 16 hours or something ridiculous behind us. So, <laughs> you know, it's like me working at 7 o'clock at night and then 8 o'clock in the morning or something. You know, it's, it's I mean, that's the reality of it. I'm certainly not complaining about any of this, but that's the reality of it. It can, just certainly doesn't, life's not dull. Let me just give you the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. I so was yeah. smiling through your all the things you said. Like, for example, like I, the house I, or the apartment I used to live in in Dusseldorf in, in Germany, I own that apartment. And just last week I was in a discussion with the move my tenant, you know, getting into like, do we need to replace that? And can we do this? And it's like, you know, all of this face palm moments of like, can't the dude just check this? You know, it could be easy and all of these kinds of things. <laughs> oh <laughs> and my then, God. Yes. Yeah. And I'm thinking about going on the road next year and everybody that I tell this is like, Oh my God, that sounds amazing. Cause I'm thinking of traveling potentially for a year and getting a caravan, renting the house. Then what I start saying, and everyone's just like looking at me, their eyes glazing. And I'm like, yeah, but there's so much to organize. Like, do you understand the logistics of this? Like I've got a dog, you know, that you can't (laughs) take a dog to most caravan parks. And then if you have to free camp, then there's this whole other dynamic going on. And it's like, I don't know if I'm going to feel secure. And what about the fact that I need to be able to work? And everyone's just like, no, we didn't want to hear those details. Actually, it just sounded really good when you were going to go away for a year. But um, yeah, there is so much that, that goes to it, goes into it they, behind the scenes. Yeah, but I think social media's got a lot to, I've got a lot to blame for this. You know, people see the crack book, crack book version. You know, the Facebook version. You know, they they see the, you know, the caravanning trip for a year. They see the selfie with the sunset behind you, or you know, clinking your glass of wine with your partner, or you know, like taking your dog for a walk on some idyllic beach. You know. No one writes about, and maybe I just need to, maybe I need to do like the anti-travel blog, like, you know, just the reality. Like the other day coming home on the plane, I was sat between, it was an absolute nightmare. I sit down and I've got a couple who are fighting 
with an infant on their lap. And I'm going, oh, gee, this is going to be fun. And then the guy moves me because it's like World War Three happening next to me. And I go, oh, great. I'm sitting here. And the guy goes, oh, you can't sit there. The guy, the guy that's sitting in that seat is actually in the bathroom. He's really sick. He's vomiting. And, and I'm going, oh, that's just fabulous. He's like, oh, but the seat next to me is free. I'm like, oh, okay, great. And so I move over to the next seat and then have to sit next to this guy who is literally like vomiting every five minutes for the next, you know, four hours while I'm trapped in this sardine can with him. Then there's an eight-year-old at the front of the, at the front of the plane who loses his bowels about half an hour into the flight. They're calling for medics and I'm just going, oh my God, I'm in a sardine can with vomiting people and people who can't control their bowels. Oh my God, <laughs> this is the reality of traveling, right? Like, Oh, yeah, selfie at the airport with my cup of tea. Like, bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the reality is that you can be trapped next to someone vomiting and booing for four hours. (sighs) But, yeah, I think this is the problem, you know. People go, oh, traveling for a year, how glamorous. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Like, the travel is fun. And I'm not just being a whinging, whining, painted bum, but, you know, it is fun. And it's the adventure is what I chase and that's why I do it. But the reality is often very different to what you see on Instagram or Facebook. And I guess that's because no one really wants to talk about the reality of it. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was in New York last year, I couldn't, like, I just assumed New York, there'll be amazing internet. It was unusable where I was. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I have to like navigate the, the American cell phone network scene go out, find a shop, find a thing, figure out how I can get on Wi-Fi, make sure it's happening by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. You know, like when I went to Chicago last year, I basically got off the plane and got myself to T-Mobile as quickly as I could in order to figure out some kind of solution so that when I got to my hotel, because it turns out the hotel doesn't have Wi-Fi, it's like (laughs) hotels don't have Wi-Fi these days. Like All of these logistical things that can happen and you end up, you know, yeah. it's definitely, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I had cocktails out the front of my very lovely hotel and, you know, there's pictures of me by Lake Michigan, but you don't see the night before when I was going completely apeshit, like just trying to get myself some basic communication <laughs> set up so that I could right. work. Yeah. Oh, totally. The same thing happened for me when I rocked up in Samoa. Um, I was flown over there by the government to do all this training for their teachers and everyone's like, oh my God, you're so lucky. Are you going to Samoa? Oh my God, that's going to be so much fun. I'm like, yeah, it'll be awesome. The first flight over there, I was sat next to this person who I think had like the bubonic plague and I was like, oh God, please, I just don't breathe. Just don't breathe. I can't afford to get sick on this trip. The next day, I have the bubonic plague. So I turn up in this like just state of face can't breathe. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to deliver five days of workshop in the cranking Samoan heat? I turn up to my hotel room. There's only air conditioning. There's no fan. It's a concrete block. So you have to have the air conditioning on. So then this sinus infection or whatever it is just, just is minging like absolutely horrendous. I get to the place and they go, I said, oh, yes, can I get the internet, the Wi-Fi password? And they're like, yeah, sure, here's the rates sheet. And I look at it and it's like 25 bucks an hour. And I'm looking at them and I'm going, excuse me, like $25 an hour for Wi-Fi? Like what planet are you on? Like, wow. And so I'm sort of going, okay, so I'd, I'd agreed to like talk to my clients this afternoon and wrap this thing up with someone else and get online and finish all my emails and blah, 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 blah. And I'm sort of going, $25 an hour. I've got about eight hours of work to do before I turn up at this um, conference and it all needs to be online. 
So let me just do some maths. That's going to cost me about $200 in Wi-Fi. And I'm just going, like, breathe. <laughs> like, like, what do I do? My, my face is full of snot. Like, I'm so, my head, you know what you, when you know what it's like when you've got a sinus infection, like you just, your whole, your whole head doesn't work. And I'm just, my head is exploding at the front desk of the reception, just going, are you telling me it's going to cost me $200 to get a day of work done? Like, is this the only option? They're like, yes, madam. And I'm going, okay. It's like, but that, that's the reality, right? Like, that's the reality. And then it's like, oh, here's the, here's the selfie of me with like 700 teachers behind me. What I haven't taken a picture of is the fact that my clothes are literally wet through from sweat because we have been teaching out on the outside Manny Arbor all day. So, you know, no air conditioning, no nothing. And I'm wearing a polyester dress in the middle of the tropics. Yes, of course I did. <laughs> didn't know that I wasn't going to be training in air conditioning like oh look it's so much fun and this is why I travel you know you're just consistently challenged and you're consistently under the pump to problem solve and to find solutions and to you know use the failures to learn how to avoid the next ones you know it's certainly not a whinge but it's it's fun it's fun it really is I love it but I, I don't think it's for everyone I really don't think it's for everyone you've really got to be someone who loves that challenge and loves taking very deep breaths and keeping your shit together. Are we allowed to say shit? We can definitely um, say shit. Yeah. That's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I think for most, yeah. I think there's graduations of this, right? So, I mean, I'm location independent and the way that I do that is by pretty much not going anywhere for most of the time. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm really excited about the fact that I don't have to go to work. Like I end up in conversations with people and they're like, yeah, so when are you next be in the city? And I always want to go like, well, never. I'm never coming to the city. Like I'm never going <laughs> to just be in town. So let's make plans. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah exactly. And I have to kind of explain to people that, no, I never have to go anywhere. So we should probably make plans to do something because it's not going to just happen. So I really yeah. enjoy not having to go anywhere, which is, yep. you know, kind of the reverse of what you're about to do tomorrow. But then sometimes I want to, right? And that means that I have the choice to. And then for many people, maybe they're moving out of a cold climate, they get to move to a warmer climate, which is also what I've attempted to do, not highly successfully because I moved to the wrong part of Australia, but that's just a... <laughs> A thing that seems to happen to me every time I move to a new country that I move to the cold part but I'm sure I'll get it right eventually but I think it's just about you know being able to do it on your own terms and knowing that if you do choose the, the kind of the constantly on the road thing there's a lot more to it than what you're seeing on Instagram does that mean it's not amazing and challenging and fun no it doesn't um but yeah know what you're up for <laughs> yeah and I guess yeah that's exactly right like I would not change a single thing about the life that I've had or or you know I might take back that uh you know that night <laughs> the polyester dress where I had a hangover. yeah the polyester dress or <laughs> the hangover the last three days or you know whatever but no I wouldn't change what I've got the world I love it I love the consistent challenge I love the I love the fact that my life is not regular and you know uh sort of What's that word? Routine. Like I, mm. I mean, I have my routines in Bali and I have my routines down here. My re routines in Perth tend to focus a lot around food and wine and catching up with amazing friends who have, you know, amazing lives. And I love finding out about their kids and what they're doing. And, and they live that sort of that nine to five suburban life. And it's great. They love it. It works for them. And I love spending time with them because they're in their joy. 
And it's beautiful spending time with people who love what they do and where they're at. Bali for me is much more of a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's much more isolated and I can hibernate up there. You know, my life up there revolves around yoga and sound healings and taking a bit more of a spiritual path, but not necessarily, you know, hanging out with the feather tribe and, you know, singing Kumbaya in the moonlight, dancing around, you know, a cacao ceremony or something, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that either, but, you know, I can choose what I need from each place and, and get that. And Bali for me provides like a bit of a, a sort of hibernation paradise and that it's sort of like living in a bit of a log cabin and just sort of permitting yourself away and getting a lot of downtime and doing a lot of, you know, sort of your soul work, you know, the writing and the, the things that bring you joy. So, you know, I get what I want from both places, but yeah, it's not, it's not what Instagram would make it up to be. And I think if you're considering a location independent lifestyle, you really need to think about, you know, where you are on the scale of risk, you know, like where, how do you consider risk or how do you consider things like stability? Like, are those things important to you? Do they scare you? Do you, you know, you not want them in your life? Do you want them in your life? What do you value, you know? Because if you value stability and you value routine and you value consistency in your daily life, then being location independent is not for you in the story. Like, it's just not. I mean, is that too much of a blanket statement? But I really, I just honestly don't believe that it can work if they're the sorts of things that are, you know, really, really important to you. And friends of mine who look at me and just go, I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do it. I'd end up a blithering mess if I had to deal with that level of challenge on a daily basis. And maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they'd step up and love it and realise that they, you know, <laughs> that the, what they'd be missing out on their whole lives. Who knows? I don't know. I guess you can't make blanket generalisations. So I might have to take back that last bit of what I just said. But yeah, I don't know. I think you just need to know what's important to you and make sure that those factors are still there in an independent lifestyle, independent, location-independent lifestyle, because it certainly is full of uh, full of ups and downs and challenges. Mm. And I think, if I think about it, so I am someone who needs a certain level of routine and needs a yeah. certain level of stability. So it's interesting that you brought that up. But I need that in order to work. So as long as I know, like, I've got a desk, I've got everything on my computer that I need, I can arrange internet, last minute if I have to and mm. I've got kind of I can have quiet to work in because I cannot personally I cannot work in any kind of group environment like I can't go to a co-working space I can't go to a cafe I have no idea how people do it like I'm the kind yeah, of person no. that can't have a conversation with someone if the tv's also on I'm the I, same yeah <laughs> like, I, my brain same. just I can't I can't multitask yeah. in that sense even though you're supposed yeah. to be ignoring the tv but I can't do that so yeah but I'm able, so I would not be able to constantly be on the road. But then what I do mm. is kind of make decisions on, okay, well, I'm going to be in this place for two weeks. I'm going to be in that place for two weeks. And then I know that I've got, you know, that desk in the room and I've got this and I've got these hours. Yeah. So it's, for me, it's kind of about creating an environment so that I can get what I need from it and exactly. still be able to do all the other stuff that I do. But I think it's, yeah, like you said, it's knowing what you need. And then yeah. part of it's also just, trying it you know it's not something you have to do forever yeah doing a mini experiment I know um a good friend of mine who's a career change type coach she talks a lot about mini experiments and like you know not committing to a whole year of it you know commit to go go and do it for a month or two weeks and see how you like it see if you dig it and I think there's a distinction as well between being location independent and being on the road like being location independent just means that you can run your business from anywhere so you could go and live in Spain for a year and then you could go and live in Colombia for a year and then you could go and live in 
in the outreaches of Russia for a year. That to me is still being location independent. It just means that all of your business happens online so you can actually conduct the business from anywhere. So if things like stability and consistency are important to you, then yeah, going and setting up somewhere that has the ability for you to work in a quiet place or have like constant access to good Wi-Fi, that's all possible if you're going to be somewhere for a certain amount of time. I think maybe I was getting confused between being on the road constantly, like working while you're on the road. So this round the world trip, 10 weeks, I've got 14 flights to about eight different places that I'm going to. So, you know, that's a very different scenario to working and living in Bali for a year. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a holiday mm. and I'm tripping around and being able to work while I'm on this 10 week holiday, you know, is sort of, I'll fit it in if and when I can. And my clients are aware of that, but being able to work while you're on the road, as opposed to being able to work in a different location are two very different things as well. So, you know, yeah, what do you want? Do you want to be able to run your business from anywhere, choose one place and make it work for you? Or, you know, if you're caravanning for a year, as you say, you know, we're going to be in this place for two weeks because it has good internet and has this and has that. For the next two weeks, we're going to be in a place and my clients will know that I'm not contactable because there is no good Wi-Fi and we've made that decision in advance. So, Mm. yeah, I think it's there's a difference between being location independent and living in another country or travelling and trying to work while you're travelling. And I think it's important to know which one you're doing and how you can set yourself up for success in either of those situations. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's, it's yeah, there is a, a big difference between them and there's also graduations in between where you can make it set up how you want to. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your experience, Maria. It's been really interesting to hear like what's behind the scenes and, and how it all works for you. Mm. It would be great if you could share where people can find out more about you and yeah, your social media handles and stuff, because I know that your Instagram does look rather fabulous. I'm certainly jealous <laughs> of some of your meals <laughs> and I your know, views. Like, yeah. I, and I am a bit of a foodie. So, you know, that's just, yeah, it's sort of what I do. I just, every place I go, there's very rarely a picture of my face. It's very, more often than not, it's a picture of my, um, what do you call it? Your dinner. <laughs> yeah, my dinner. <laughs> um, so I'm Maria, mariadoyle.com is my website and you can find out what I do there. My Insta handle is, this is a great question. I should know this sort of stuff, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I am so like not doing it right. I swear to God. I actually think it's Maria change. Maria and then change, C-H-A-N-G-E, because my logo is all about creating real change in the world through quality education and training. So there you go. Matt, check me out on Instagram. Check out all my yummy food. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much. We will. And I'll find your handle in the off chance. It's not that. And I'll put it in the show notes. So people will definitely be able to find you. Awesome. Oh, it's Maria Create Real Change. There you go. I think my Twitter is Maria Change. I think it's uh, Instagram is Maria Create Real Change, all one word. Okay. So if you want to see what living in Bali looks like and follow along with the trip, that's where it's all going to be happening. That is where it's all going to be happening. I look forward to spamming people's uh, Insta accounts over the next 10 weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, have a wonderful time and thank you for making time as well for us just before you leave. That's um, pretty incredible as well. Oh, you're very welcome. No, it's um, it's always a joy to to share the truth 
behind what really goes on in small business and in consultancies like, you know, micro businesses. I think there's a lot of uh, hype out there on the internet that makes it look like it's, um, you know, so much more appealing than a nine to five, but the reality often isn't spoken about. So I'm really happy to share the truth behind what it looks like. And thanks for inviting me on. You're welcome. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Kat. Thanks for listening to Your Business, Your Rules. I'm Kat LeBlanc. If you like this show, I'd love you to subscribe, share, and leave a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, head over to my website at catleblanc.com. Until next time.